big thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this episode of iFreaks to promote the App Center, a continuous integration delivery and feedback suite of cloud services for Swift and Objective-C apps. With App Center, you can automate your iOS and macOS development lifecycle, build, test, distribute, monitor, and push to ship five-star, high-quality apps faster and with confidence. Building a development pipeline in your iOS apps has always been a challenge, but with App Center, you can get started in minutes. Simply connect your GitHub and Bitbucket repos and build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. As a fully modular suite of services, you can pick and choose the service you need and connect it to the tools you already use. Sign up now on appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Hi, welcome to the iFreaks show. Today on our panel, it's me, Girambo, and I have with me Erica. Hi from Denver. And we have guests today. We have Lisa. Pikai from Kiev. And Ahmed. Hello. And Lisa and Ahmed, they made a really cool product that we're going to talk about today. And their product is Flawless App, which you probably heard about because they are very good at marketing. And we're going to talk about that today. So can you explain briefly what your app is about and what can developers do with it? Yeah, so uh, Flawless App is basically a tool for, for iOS developers to deliver polished design implementation. So that's the, the idea behind the product. Uh, it, it works like this. So the developer can compare expected design from designer with actual application right inside iOS Simulator. The designer could share a design as an image file or as a whole sketch file. And we will analyze the sketch file and parse all the artwork, turn it into an Im images, and basically overlay them on top of implementation right inside Simulator. So you basically made a tool that allows developers to work with designers and make sure they have that pixel-perfect design. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And we put a lot of effort uh, to make it as smooth as possible. So uh, there is no need for integrating any third-party libraries into project or something like that. The developer can just download the app and start using it right away. And this is a really good way to compare what you've built against what you wanted to build, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Basically, you can see the end result of your application while you're building this uh, result. And you can do that side by side. You can use it with a translucent overlay, right? Yeah, uh, for now, we have uh, a two comparison mode. Uh, which is overlay, uh, where you have a design image on top of implementation with some transparency, and the split mode where you can explore both design and implementation in the same time. You can use long screen, you can inter interact with the app, you can share the actual comparison result with the designer, so your designer can review it and give a feedback, and you can do a lot more with flows. Now, Apple has gone up to about 5 billion different potential platform geometries. I, I think I might be slightly undercounting the number. How do you do that when you're working with mock-ups? Do you have the designer do a mock-up for each potential geometry and each orientation? That's, that's a super great question. I'm really glad you asked that. Uh, basically, just uh, a month ago, we have released a really fundamentally important feature for exactly this case. So uh, the designer has the ability to put resizing constraints on certain elements in their graphical editors. So uh, let's say they're using Sketch and they can specify whether certain element, how certain element would behave on different screen sizes. And by resizing uh, this layout in graphical editor, designer can see how layout behave on different screen sizes. So what we have released 
uh, is an ability for flawless app to extract those rules, resizing constraints from graphical editor's files and apply them right to the simulator. So basically the designer can create a single design for let's say iPhone X, specify resizing constraints and share a sketch source file. Developer selects this source file and Flawless App will automatically generate dynamic design for a specific screen size. So if you are using iPad, this design will turn to an iPad version. If you are using iPhone 5, this will shrink to an iPhone 5 version, and so on and so forth. And the, the interesting things about it, that developer doesn't need to have Sketch installed. That is really impressive. How did you, I mean, that these features didn't come on day one, obviously. So can you tell us a little bit about the Flawless App story and how it developed and how you got to these advanced features? Yeah, Flawless actually was started in April 2015. We went to a local hackathon in Kiev uh, where we were presenting our initial concept of Flawless. And just at the end of hackathon, one guy from the crowd paid us $5 straight ahead, like real money. We thought, wow, someone ready to pay. We need, we need to make Flawless up real. Yeah, and, and back then, Flawless app, so it was a completely different product, basically. Uh, in 2015, Flawless app was uh, a tool for collaboration between designers and developers, uh, a bit details about functionality. Basically, we had a plugin for Sketch. We had a plugin for Xcode. Uh, we had a web version. And we had a plugin for a Simulator. So it was like a huge product. Uh, and how it works. Basically, plugging for Sketch analyzed the design, extract useful properties like phones, sizes, offsets, colors, and so on and so forth. Then plugin transfers this information right to developer's hand. Uh, we had an Xcode plugin even before Xcode extension, so we used a lot of private API and black, black magic tricks, let's call it this way. That's my area. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so and basically the developer had an ability to open the design in Xcode, something like assistant view in Xcode, but with design, and drag and drop those features, those uh, useful properties like fonts or colors, small code snippets for those, those useful properties to the code editor. And on top of that, we had a web version for managers, designers, developers, where all of them get together to discuss the design implementation and so on and so forth. So it was really a massive product before. And we had a very tiny team, huge ambitions, and to be honest, no actual expertise in launching product on our own. But we decided, let's launch Flawless in three months, working on it part-time without investments. Great plan. Uh, in reality, it took us 13 months of work until we released something, and it was a buggy version. And then the fun just began. <laughs> yeah, in, in 2016, uh, we released first version, version of this product, which I've described. Uh, and it was private only for our closed beta users. It was around 1,000 UI designers and IS engineers. Uh, they, they, they got first access. Uh, so our beta users were really confused by almost half of those features we've, we've made. About everything, because they were confused <laughs> about everything. <laughs> yeah, they were confused about almost everything, let's say. And uh, our web interface was not understandable. The UX was done poorly. So it was uh, a disaster. Yeah, people were complaining that other tools are better and fall 2015-16. There was a lot of tools around there. Uh, we were very depressed about all of this. Oh. Yeah, we were last folks on, on the party. And that can be a really hard place to be as a developer when your initial feedback is, is kind of a downer 
and you know that you have a vision for something that's going to be really helpful. So how did you deal with that? Actually, we talk a lot with our users back then. We asked them, okay, is there something good in flows what you might like? We look a lot of on analytics, on usage. We talk to many of like very strong iOS macOS developers in the community. And suddenly we found out that there is actually something what people really love. There is one feature which is very popular and people would love us to keep working on it despite of all popular folks in the industry and all mistakes we made. Yeah, and that was exactly this comparison of design and implementation inside iOS Simulator. So it was a turning point for us uh, we just isolated ourselves for 14 days and it was two weeks non-stop development. We turned our previous huge product into small current flawless app, so into MVP, uh, which is, was macOS application uh, with this comparison only. So we made a focus on this feature only. Uh, yeah, and I mean, we it's gave a it huge jump to go from an assistant editor into the simulator, that must have been an amazing amount of work and and you know reverse engineering. For sure. A lot and, of magic. <laughs> and it was important for us to make it fast because we don't want to be like last uh, in a party, as Lisa mentioned. So we we have had to make it fast. We did a new website, which was designed totally by Ahmed and Sketch. We set up licensing with Mixpanel. We managed Comroad for payments, did a lot of marketing preparation. And just in June 2017, we launched a paid version. It took us 795 days from initial idea to the real commercial product. That is a lot of work for just two people. Uh, without any funding and investment. And especially with that, well, you did have a $5 investment. Yeah. <laughs> we still have this $5. Yeah. You know, your angel funding. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is a great story about learning from your mistakes. But we could say that you didn't really make a mistake. You just made a market research before releasing yeah. the real product. 13 months market research. Yeah. Months, yeah. Well, you didn't have any funding, so you didn't have to report to investors or, or anything. So I think you did the right thing. And you basically launched a lot of uh, lots of things. And what sticked was the comparison between design and implementation. So how did the two of you split the tasks of design and development? Yeah, so um, in our first years, we had uh, like a full stack team. Uh, we had a designer, we had a separate backend engineer, we had a front end engineer, uh, and I was doing uh, macOS iOS development. Lisa worked full time for marketing and sales. So, but when time goes, some of the people left the team. Almost all people left the team. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so basically it was just two of us, Lisa and I. Uh, and it's easy to build a design and development process when on design and development process work only one person. <laughs> one and a half. Yeah, one and a half, yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically uh, we... On our previous experience, we, we decided to talk with users more. So we had almost every two weeks, we had a user interviews. We talked to our users. We asked about features. They could be interested at what could be implemented next. Um, then We basically defined yeah. features and ideas and put them in Google Doc. We discussed together with Ahmed after every interview. And then we started working on wireframes which is very basically, and Ahmed does it on paper in a, in, in a notebook. Yeah, and then we just uh, discuss those wireframes. So it's like team feedback session, uh, the first one. Uh, during those sessions, we find some critical UX issues uh, of our first solutions. And then after all UX issues fixed, we work on first design iteration. Uh, so basically, I just draw something in Sketch, and I need to do it fast. 
So we can go to the next step, sharing it with the team once again and sharing it with the users. So we have very loyal and great users who basically send them first iteration and ask, what do you think? So those first iteration has so some real text uh, with our not-so-perfect English, and people just give us feedback, what do they think about UI elements, what do they think about our text copy, uh, what do they think about everything. And when we get those feedback from like from five till ten people, we gather those feedback and we start working on the next. Yeah, and then we prepare uh, the design for development. So we just got the assets, uh, prepare all the guidelines and so on and so forth. Uh, and basically just start development. Uh, for sure, we are using Git and version control system, not only on development side, but on design side as well. Even though we are a small team, we use version control for our designs and development. Um, yeah, and we just iterate over this process uh, when the feature is ready and we just ship it. So we have uh, like every three, four weeks, we have a release, something like uh, it called uh, like a feature train or release train, something like that. Uh, and every, every three, four weeks, we're trying to ship some new updates, which we are working on. And we try to talk to users as much as we can. Basically, everything we do is based on feedback from their past iteration. And we implement it and then ask people what they think about functionality, about the design, about how we position it. We have really awesome folks who help us even to build our sales cycle and promote materials. So everything what we achieve, we have achieved with our community, with our users. This sounds like such an organic process where you're doing this iterative design and feeding it to the users and then taking their feedback and, and rolling that into the next round. Did you ever consider doing some other design strategies such as, you know, A-B testing or, or things like that? Uh, to be honest, we don't have time and resources for that. Because uh, really, when you're a small team, you can deliver, you need to deliver very fast. So for sure, we would love to tell the different design concepts. We, tr we would love to see what works better. But for now, we simply we simply can't do this. Yeah, we, we just can't afford because since we're a small team, we had to choose wisely uh, because we're limited in resources. We had to choose wisely what to do and what not to do. And what not to do is more importantly. Even. So what are three good don't do this lessons for small design teams? Mm. Well, I think the first one is listen to the paid users because there are a lot of people who give you design advices, how they would love to see uh, specific design elements or specific features, but it's just nice to have. It doesn't mean that it's important to have. All must, must have critical design um, decisions they drive by people who pay you money because the product should solve the need. It can be poorly designed. It can have not perfect UX, but it should solve the need. And if your UX and if your design solve need right now, it means it's okay. You can improve it later on, but you don't need to make things perfect. And at the first version of the product, we got, we got a lot of feedback on design. Like you need to make it those color, you need to make those button, you need to add those window. And we were implementing all of those design um, wishes from people. And we implement and implement and implement. And you know the end result. We waste certain months for product which didn't solve the need. So uh, I would say, um, in my opinion, so th this is the first one, like don't listen to everyone. You should listen uh, only to those who who pays you money because in theory, that's the people who care about your product the most. Uh, the second one, don't, don't put too many complexity in the simple processes. Like uh, during design stage, it's you, you're tempted to build uh, like, you know, the best practices, like to make everything reusable everywhere, uh, reuse all UI elements, so on and so forth. So if you're a small team, it, it's probably not the best idea to waste your time on that. Uh, so it's better to make something good enough uh, and use it instead of building this complicated chain of elements while you don't need it because you don't have a team to work with. 
Uh, and the third one is probably about tools. There are really a lot of great design tools out there, but you probably will waste much more time to learn all of those tools than using something simple or do it even without tool. So the simpler the way you solve the problem, the better for you. Those are fantastic, fantastic tips for the developer. I want to take the question to kind of a slightly different uh, angle, though, which is both of you are primarily developers, not designers, correct? Yeah. So how can somebody coming really just from design background, how do you learn the user experience and the UI design skills you need to put together a product and a website and all those features that's visually beautiful, usable, and I want to say the word integral, but I don't, it doesn't mean what I want it to mean. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it's a huge stereotype that developer can't do design. The developer can't do marketing. The developer can't build a company. It's not true. We can learn everything we want. Ahmed is primary iOS and macOS developer. He's coding since 13. However, now he's doing all design job for Flawless. He's doing UX research, uh, website mockups, all onboarding screen, ads, emails, presentation, like totally everything. Yeah, and uh, a long time ago, uh, we had like a two designers working with us, but unfortunately it didn't work out for some reasons. So uh, back then I decided to learn some basics of UX and UI design. Uh, it was uh, like 2016, I guess. Uh, and I never did UI before, uh, but, and I didn't attend any design courses as well. But in 2016, there was uh, this interesting challenge called Daily UI Challenge. It's really a great idea. So basically, uh, they will send you every day, they will send you a design task to complete. And you, uh, in the theory, you need to share uh, the result you've made with the community, get feedback, and become a better designer. So uh, I decided to, to get involved. And uh, basically, I didn't have any experience in UI design, but I have a common sense and SketchUp, so I decided to get started. Uh, and I made 60 UI design tasks, uh, approximately spending one and a half hours on average on each, each shot, each design. Uh, and on the way, I learned how to work with Sketch, how layout composition works, what the basics of icon drawing, and so on. But the dive into serious design starts with like, reading of very classical and popular books. They taught to focus on design as a method of solving problems. Uh, we together with Ahmed read several very popular articles and books, among them um, 10 Principles of Good Design by Dear Trams, uh, The Design of Everyday Things by Donald Norman, like really, really great book, and 100 Things That Every Designer Needs to Know About People. It's just 100 Principles of design and how people see, hear, understand, what's their motivation. All of those books, they just um, learn, they teach us uh, how to work with design, what people really need. After this, we together read a lot of materials on user persona, on user journey, or like sketching ideas on, on the paper, on making simple wireframes. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, Longview, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at leno.com slash ifreaks. Like, 
a lot of um, things you can find online, you can learn them. And also what great you had, we learn all of those materials and we apply them on practice. Just to recommend you one great book, is, it's called Design Code from Mankto, where a lot of great design principles discussed. Also we read tutorials from Prototype, Medium Blog, guides from Hey Designer. Basically everything we read were on, on, online, it was easily accessible and we just applied it to practice and got feedback from people. And we, a lot of, we ask a lot of from the community. You can tweet to any designer who you know, you can write people on Facebook, you can email them and ask how to do this or that. And people will be happy to help you. Just some fun fact, last, last week we got a design for our Reduce app, totally redone by some random person who just wanted to help us. So sometimes you will just, you'll just get design from people who want you to help and people who want to teach you. It's really amazing about design community. Yeah, and usually people are really open and willing to, to help with the feedback, to help with some suggestion, how to improve something. So it's really, it's really great in our time to, uh, to connect with other professionals, to learn from them. It's really easy. Yeah. Uh, we had Meng here a, f a few shows ago, and if the people who are listening want to learn more about design and they are developers, it's definitely a good episode to listen to. And I, I can say that design code has helped me a lot as a developer to learn more about design and how to become a better designer. And the tips you, you gave are awesome. So moving from design, I'd like, like to talk to you about marketing. How, how are you selling the app? Uh, how are you making people know the app? And, and what's your strategy there? Can you share us some tips? Yeah, sure. Just continuing as, as we talk with, with design. You don't need to be a professional marketer to do a great marketing. Neither me or Ahmed are not professional marketer. And we know that getting first users is very tough especially when you are an unknown team from Ukraine with zero money on marketing. Well, sometimes magic can happen, like with popular project with reality, air up for Twitter by Oscar, which became popular in one night. But usually it doesn't happen. Uh, because there are dozens of apps who try to get user attention. So you need to stand out. And to, um, to get this attention, there is some special steps you need, you need to do. First one is you need to do user and competitors research. When you define who are your users, why they, uh, where they spend time online, who are competitors, and how, how they reach those users. Then you need to define your position and or value, what is special about your product, and then spread those values through channels you already find out to your users. It sounds really simple. So I can do a quick overview of all of this, all of the steps. Uh, user research is basically to make a simple persona and hypothesis about it. Then you find uh, someone real and you try to get in touch with those person. You prepare basic questions to validate your hypothesis and you go talk to those people. No magic here. I think we spoke with more than 300 people since starting Flawless App. Our first user personas were totally wrong, and it's fine. Like most of user research activities happen when we were changing product focus. So the question is where to find all of those people to talk with and to validate your hypothesis. Uh, I think we started with talking with people, with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Then we made a survey and asked iOS developers who we personally knew. It was a long survey, nobody filled it, so it was not so great for us. Then uh, we start we starting to reach people at offline events. We went to meetups together with Ahmed. Ahmed came from the left, I came from the right, and the per person has no way to run away <laughs> and ask questions about flawless. The people were just surrounded, so we, <laughs> we just threw our questions right away to them to, to, to gather some valuable information. And when we had actual users, like those first people for the beta, we're talking with them on Skype, inviting them to the cafe, going to their offices, and gathering all of those feedback. We send cold emails to 
cool folks in our community. And, you know, like almost everyone answered us. And we had calls with those people asking about their development process, about problems and feedback on Flawless. It was a lot of fun and a lot of work. But after all of these research activities, we know who our users are. Uh, we know we know what they need, how our problem, how our product can help them. But it's not the end. Basically, when you define who your users where they spend time online, what they need, you need to look what competitors are doing. The main question is how are you different? We still get this question from people. And to answer on this on this question, you need to look on all of your competitors on their website, blogs, presentation, videos, talk to their users, download their product and try their product. And after this, find out how can you be better. With all of this great information, you need to make positioning. Uh, we think positioning is your value, what your product actually means for users, what problem and pain it solves, and it's your big vision. With this big vision, you need uh, you need to show this big vision to people. Like uh, for Flowers, for example, our big vision is to help people make great products, like Polish design implementation. We try to emphasize this in all our communication, on our website, on our Twitter, on our blog, everywhere. It's something which really sticks in our heart. So it's important to stay on message. Yeah, it's really important because at the end of the day, you have not perfect product, uh, which is just came to the market. You don't have marketing budget. And everything people will remember is who you are, what you mean for them. And this meaning is super important to find. You can guess it, but probably it will not work out. You need to do research to find it out. Uh, we had a document with... Uh, 55 statements of what flawless is. We did a diagram of what flawless means to person, did a psychological research with everything around it. And just after such a long process, we defined our core values. It is as important to find as to deliver to the people. So the one thing is to find the positioning and the other thing is to deliver the positioning clearly so the person will understand it as we understand it. Yeah, and you basically have three marketing channels for getting your first users. It's a public launch, direct sales, and monkey marketing. You deliver your positioning through all these channels. Just briefly what it means. Public launch is when you share in the target communities uh, that your product is finally available uh, or you have a significant update. So your potential users can try, try and use your product and give you the first feedback. Obviously, you need to do some homework. Get the list of the target groups and communities, get involved in those communities, learn the rules, write launch messages, and make publishing schedule. We had um, 25 pages of text for every community. We were active in those communities and we had visuals for almost every community and launch plan for the whole week with the daily time slots for what we are doing, me and Ahmed. And by the way, all of these target communities you're supposed to find during your competitor and user research. Because you ask people, what, do, what blogs do you read? What groups are you in? What podcasts are you listening to? What newsletters are you reading? So you're supposed to have all of this information. And just to talk about Flawless, uh, our homework, we had around 10 iOS groups, around five LinkedIn groups, around two subreddits and uh, two biggest uh, iOS Slack channels and around 10 newsletters in our list. It was communities uh, where we share news about Flawless. Uh, you made messages about your position and, and values. You adapt it for every community and share them. Uh, I think after our public launch, we got uh, 20 sales, yeah? Yeah, around 20 sales, like the first week of, uh, of launch. And uh, 79 trials and a lot of PR. And all of this were done just with this initial launch. 
then we decided to make lounge in the second week. So the first week we worked with target communities and second week we decided to work with Product Hunt. Product Hunt is a place to discover, share cool new products. Uh, you submit your product there and if it's good enough and get the most upvotes, by the end of the day, you will get attention of the journalists, tech people and really a lot of feedback. But you have only 24 hours to do that. So who uses who goes to Product Hunt? Who who uses it? Me. It's more. <laughs> 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 yeah, so it's mostly uh, it's mostly US audience of tech people. From our personal experience, it's mostly designers, startup folks, product managers, and a little bit of developers. So we haven't seen there a lot of iOS developers, but really a lot of tech folks and design community. Um, some PR people and obviously um, some investors. So how did you get your product on Product Hunt? Mm -hmm. uh, it's really it's really simple. Everyone who are active in the community can hunt something, which means submit the product to the website. You need to write headline, description, upload uh, visuals, write the first comment from the founder, and just submit it. Submission starts at uh, midnight San Francisco time, and from midnight the race the race began. So the product which gets the most number of upvotes will be featured on the main page, and all of Product Hunt visitors uh, will see will see this product. Uh, you can hunt product by yourself, or you can ask popular hunter to do this. But, but basically, when you submit your product, you need to ask all your communities to support you. So you need to ask your friends, your subscribers. Uh, you need to work really hard to get those attention. Because usually there are a lot of popular products who launch from big companies, from very uh, competitive uh, startup founders who ask like dozens of friends to support them. So it's not that easy to win on Product Hunt. But if you win, you will be featured in Product Hunt daily newsletter, in Product Hunt weekly newsletter. And if you're really, really very, um, very strong product, you can be even nominated for Golden Kitty Award, which is award for best product of the year. And right now on Product Hunt, you are at over 1,500 votes. Actually, it's 3,000 across all our products. Right, because there's Reduce and Flawless too. Yeah. yeah. It's true. And because of this, we were nominated for this Golden Kitty Award in design category, which is really very cool too. I was just going to say, um, Lisa mentioned that big companies launch products on Product Hunt. So I would suggest for anyone that's thinking about launching there to do a lot of research and make sure that there are no big products coming out the same day you you're planning your launch like there's nothing from apple or from facebook coming out on the same day because those products end up on product hunt and they can completely wash out your launch if they launch the same day as you yeah it's true it's better not to launch after on or after the conference days, it's better not to launch when, when you know that big company is planning to launch something. And another threat, which is worse than big companies, are Ukrainian and Russian startups. <laughs> Honestly, our community is so, so active that if you try to compete with some Russians or Ukrainians, uh, you don't have a huge chance, chance to win. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really hard. Also, it's not a great idea to launch on a day of uh, uh, Falcon Heavy launch, for example. <laughs> yeah, because because it will take a lot of attention without any PR. So a lot of people just vote, go and vote for, for that. I know that when I was doing um, the unofficial Apple weblog, mm -hmm. that a lot of times people did not pay attention to when are the Apple keynotes, when is Amazon introducing, you know, its big stuff and so forth. And if you're not 
paying attention to the big stories, you can get lost. It's true. Uh, we, we did um, a guide, which calls uh, Marketing for Engineers. It's a huge list on uh, GitHub. We did a special section for Product Hunt launch. So if someone really would love to launch, I would strongly recommend to read those articles and guides and successful and not successful stories. Check all tools in those sections. And we're really happy with Ahmed to consult everyone uh, who need help. People can just tweet us and ask ask for advice about Product Hunt. Yeah, and we, we've read those all those articles we've put in Marketing for Engineers collection. So we've, we've basically learned on those articles how to launch on Product Hunt. So it's like part of our experience as well. If you don't mind, get us a link for that uh, lounge. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Also, Product Hunt is um, not the only way to get users. People also can work with direct sales and monkey marketing. I know that um, engineer people, they don't really love to sell, as no one loves to sell. But if you're a founder of, if you're a maker of your tool, you need to know how to tell about it to people. You need to be passionate about sharing it with basically everyone you meet. And it's, it's really a strong tool for getting first users. You can you can sell in LinkedIn messages. You can send via cold emails, via Twitter direct messages. You can sell to your competitor users who you find over Twitter or Facebook. Like you can do really a lot of clever things. You can go to meetup of your competitor and come to people and tell about your products. I know it sounds scary at first, but trust me, you can learn how to do it. You, firstly, you do an initial research about your potential lead or person who might use your product. Uh, you try to build a relationship like with normal people, as you usually do in real life. And then you write a custom message which shows the value of your product and benefits, and you share it via any channel you, you find appropriate. Then you just follow up and listen to what people say. Uh, direct sales, um, it's, it's kind of hard, but you can figure out how to build your sales, sales funnel, how to find your triggers, what is people fair, and you really can learn a lot from people because people will tell you why they don't want to buy. And it's super valuable because a lot of people will tell you, oh, I love your product, it's really cool. But when you ask, uh, will you pay for it? You'll get dozens of reasons why what's wrong and what you need to improve. And until you find what you need to improve, your product means nothing on the market. Also, if you have a great product, don't be afraid to prove it to the right people. And when you do this, you get a product market fit. Because it's really great to release great products. But if you want to build a business, you need to have people who will, who will pay for this. Okay, also you can do a lot of monkey marketing. Just a little bit about what it means. Uh, you, can, you can do, with, with a limited resources and small team, you can do content marketing, like a medium blog. You can do viral activities, all those crazy ideas, funny, funny gifs. Uh, you can work with PR, with big media, with small blogs, with niche publication, with uh, Twitter accounts or bloggers. You can release free tools for your target users, which can be lead magnets for your core product. You can do referral stuff like promo codes, better invites, perks for inviting new users. Uh, you can work with influence marketing when you give your product for free and ask for review. Uh, you can do partnership when you share information about your products through some other company who has similar users. Like you can do ev everything where you you can do everything what your people might love in the channel they spend time. And you don't need money for this. You just need a creativity and desire. Yeah, so, and as, as an example for a free tool which we made, uh, the Reduce. So it's a tool to reduce sketch files, and we made the tool for designers. Uh, so it was an internal tool initially, but we decided to make it public and it helped us to engage with designer audience. Even though the Flawless app currently is focused on iOS developers, with Reduce, 
we could have an ability to engage with designers and as well and propose to try Flawless App in their team as well. So the, the, the Reduce is an example of this uh, free tools which you can propose to your audience. Uh, and via those channels, you can also propose your main core product. Yeah, and Reduce has like 4,000 designers who are using it right now from a huge popular companies. And all of those people, they know that Reduce was done by Flawless App. Just as an example of our Medium blog, uh, which was done, I think, five, six months ago, it has 70,000 uh, month, monthly views, yeah, and 1,700 people who are reading our articles daily. And writers write for us without financial reward. And community who submit articles get um, attention of readers and who try to make really good content. And it doesn't take a lot of time. But our articles often mention in many cool newsletters. And it has really good quality. It doesn't really, it's not so difficult to do. As an example of publication and, and blogs, you can simply submit your article to popular blogs because they need the content and you have a content. It's like, it's really, it's really easy to do. Yeah, and by those articles, we are also providing like a huge value for the community uh, because we are trying to like the, re the writers who write the content for us, they write, write it for free, but we are trying to uh, like to share this content and we're trying to select the useful content, we're trying to select useful articles, we prepare visuals and so on and so forth. Well, but uh, just one funny moment. Your activities cannot always work out. I can tell about some failed examples if you want. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, it was the WWDC, I guess 2016, yeah? Yeah. And we wanted to make a prom promo visuals, like, oh, oh here is a new sorry. iPhone, and Flawless can make your design perfect on this iPhone. We, wrote, we made really perfect visuals. I might spend a lot of time on it. But when we launch those visuals, nobody cares about them. So, you know, you can try a lot of things. It might not work out. Uh, we try to send emails to people. N not always it works. We try to make um, a lot of things. But, you know, you just, you just need to try and to see the result. So what can we expect from you to the future of Flawless and the iOS development industry? Yeah, so basically we believe uh, we can build uh, step by step, we can build a huge ecosystem of products, not only for iOS developers, but for different, different team members like designers, QAs, product owners. Currently we focus on iOS developers only, but we would like to expand the product for other types of people involved in creation of software as a whole. Uh, we believe that it's important to keep consistency between design done by designers on their own environment and implementation done by developers in their own environment. And Flawless App potentially could be that huge service which could synchronize design and development in one single place. So it's like a, a big long-term vision for a product to create a huge ecosystem uh, and basically bring the value to not only developers, but to designers as well. And speaking about uh, an industry as a whole, we think that with some time goes the development and design will merge eventually. But it's not a question of years, probably a couple of years, because people are not ready for that transition. Uh, and the transition won't be so smooth. So basically, the design and development will merge in something, something single entity. But that's a question of like a couple of years, we believe so. Okay, so let's go to pics. Uh, Lisa and Ahmed, do, do you guys have pics for us? Want to automatically build, test, and release your iOS and macOS apps? Try App Center. Connect your repo within minutes, build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers, and Apple's App Store. 
and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. Spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Visit appcenter.ms and get started for free. Yeah, sure. So for everyone who would love to launch their product without a budget, we would love to recommend checking Marketing for Engineers on GitHub. It's a collection of more than 300 articles, guides, and tools which we used by ourselves. Uh, for everyone who is interested to learn design, we really recommend um, reading Design Code by Mengtu and uh, articles which are put here, which is uh, how to start UI design and check UI 100 UI Day Challenge as well. Nice. Erica, what's your pick? Okay, I have a double pick because I don't know which one is more timely, but it is Pasca and Pampushki. <laughs> How did I do? Perfect. It's, Perfect, it's yeah. really very tasty food. Oh. And because it's that time of year where everyone in the world makes donuts. <laughs> If you come visit here, we can bring you some Ukrainian pasta oh, and pompushki. Also, you, you should try to, to search for borscht, Ukrainian borscht. Mm -hmm. Now, also. I have friends who live in um, the Maryland, Pennsylvania area, where you can go to a store and buy these things, and they send me photos of them, and I am just dying because I live in an area which is just, there are not enough Ukrainians here. Are you inviting us to come? <laughs> oh, please, please visit. Anyway, that's my pick or picks. Cool. And my pick is an article I wrote this weekend on my Medium blog. And it's my tech podcasts list. So it's a huge list of all tech podcasts I listen to. And of course, iFreaks is in there, but there are lots of other cool podcasts I listen to, and I recommend everyone check it out. I know that um, Steve's Point Free video series just went live too. So, um, are you familiar with Point Free? It's a, a video series on functional programming in Swift. Yeah, I saw people well, talking well. about it. So you might want to add that to your list. Sounds awesome. Uh, I'll do. And I, I'll definitely watch it. So thanks, Lisa and Ahmed, for coming to the show. I think we, we have some great content today. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for having us. See every one of you in Ukraine one day. <laughs> awesome. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.